Oh yeah, again, happy Mother's Day from me. We're gonna make a small change. We're gonna do our shout out in just a second, but we're gonna make a small change. We're just gonna say, what do you do? Love God, love others. What do we say? I love God, I love you, and I love mom today. You get that? So we're adding that in there because uh, that's how we do it. Ready? All right, so what do we do? We love God and we love others. What do we say? I love God, I love you, and I love mom. Man, so cool. Happy Mother's Day to all of you. Uh, today we're going to spend some time together talking about, remembering, thinking about our mothers. Um, sometimes as a pastor, I'm a little worried if, like, if I do Mother's Day, is that too exclusive? Like, all the people who aren't moms are like, oh, this Sunday's not for me, and, and maybe, you know, it, maybe it's a, a little bit too exclusive. And I, I worry about that sometimes. But then as I was thinking about it, I think Mother's Day is the most inclusive possible day because none of us are in this room uh, without having a mother. Like you don't exist without a mother. And so there can't be a more ex- inclusive thread than motherhood to each of us, right? Now, are there anyone here that's joined that has no mother that somehow miraculously appeared on this planet? Unless your name is Adam and you were the original man, or Eve and you were, uh, other than those two, the rest of us have had a mother. And so, so fantastic. So this is how we're going to sort of focus on, celebrate, uh, and, and really honor our mothers this morning. Um, I, I know there's some kids that squawk in the back, you guys, and I know sometimes parents are scared of those, but it is Mother's Day, so we expect that there are kids squawking, and so uh, I love when they squawk. I just want to let you church know that. I, I don't mind when they cry, when they, when they chirp, when they talk back. And it, it reminds me someone's awake in the service, you know, because sometimes <laughs> pastors can be boring. So uh, I, I just want to let you feel comfortable knowing that your, your little ones are always welcome in this service. I don't matter... If they're fussy or silly or, or squawky. And, and uh, having said that, I don't mind if you guys are too. Sometimes if you're cranking, you're like, no, Pastor, that's no good. Like, don't shout that. You just hold that in. But uh, feel free to talk back. You know, say amen if you believed in something. Or, or it, it's okay for us to, to have a little bit of interaction. And, and I think this new spot is a little bit conducive to that because I can see you all well now. There are not bright lights in my eyes. I know who's asleep who's paying attention, who's nodding at the right times, and who isn't. So, uh, um, so feel free to express and, and let your little ones express too. That, that's really cool. So hi, little ones. Glad you guys are here. That's only for two more weeks that the little ones are going to be joining us. And then in the beginning of June, we're going to go full program. So the kids' ministry will be available. Now, we'll have our kids with us like three or four times a year where we do all family services. But uh, they'll be in the kids' group. There'll be toddlers' group available. Uh, there'll be a baby drop-off. If moms, you just need to get away from your baby sometime. Uh, there'll, there'll be a drop-off area for your babies. And uh, so that's really exciting coming up as our church comes back kind of in person and, and just uh, jumps back into doing ministry and life together. So exciting. Um, on that note, make sure to, if you're interested in doing any of those parts and serving as your function in the body, in whatever, there's some sign-up boards, or you could just contact, like, just any, literally anyone you know at the church, or myself at Sam at Jericho Road uh, Church, if you're interested in serving in any ministry at this church that's going to be starting up. And so, so exciting. That's beginning in uh, June. So we're looking forward to that. So today, for our sermon as we honor moms, I'm going to highlight, and I was kind of shocked when I was uh, preparing this sermon uh, about the sermon that I'm going to give. I was shocked at some of the information I discovered because I wanted to highlight various mothers in the Bible. Uh, 
And as I was going through it, I, re I realized that there are a lot of different types of mothers. Like in our real life, that's true, right? We have stepmoms, and we've got uh, foster moms, we've got adoptive moms, we've got biological moms, we've got mother-in-law, we've got mother. We've got all these kind of figures. And, and as I was thinking about it, and I was looking at the Bible, you know what? The Bible has all sorts of different types of moms represented. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to highlight just a different type of mom and I'm going to see one, and I want to highlight one characteristic from that type of mom. Now, moms have all of these characteristics, so I'm not saying that that's the only characteristic an adoptive mom has or something like that. But I wanted to highlight those two things, amazing characteristics that come from moms and the, the, the diverse types of moms that exist in the Bible and exist in our reality. And so that's where we're going today with this. So here we go. The first type of mom is a biological mom. In 1 Samuel 1, 19 and 20, Elkanah made love to his wife Hannah, sorry earmuffs kids, uh, and the Lord, it's in the Bible so we got to cover it, and the Lord remembered her, so in the course of time Hannah became pregnant and she gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. And so this is how it, a biological kid works, right? A man and a woman uh, get together and they, they have a baby, and I picked this particular biological mom because... Uh, well, my name's Samuel, so obviously that's the one I'm going to pick, right? And so um, that, that's really why. Now, Samuel's pretty cool because he came about uh, miraculously. Like, Hannah couldn't have babies, and then God sort of provided for her. And so, so we all have a biological mom, though. Every single one of us that, that exists has a biological mom. And many of us are blessed to have amazing biological moms, uh, moms like uh, Samuel's mom, Hannah. And the, the highlight thing I wanted to point out for Hannah is she was praying for a baby. Like, she wanted a baby so bad, and she couldn't have kids. She was praying and praying and praying, and year after year after year, she would pray fervently. And finally, God answered her prayer. And then after she prayed that, do you know what? After Samuel was born, she continued to pray, and she would continue to pray over Samuel. And ultimately, she dedicated Samuel to the Lord, and, and he served in the temple. And you may know him with, like, hanging out with Eli, and a little bit later, he hears from God, and he's a prophet of God, this guy Samuel, for, for his entire life. And so the thing I see in Hannah's life as his biological mom is she, she would just pray over him all the time. Do, do you, any of you had a mom that was like that was just, just praying all the time? Anyone had a like praying all the time mom? Like she was, she'd pray for you in the morning, she'd pray for you at night. When you were leaving outside, she was like, oh, I'm going to be praying for you. When, you know, when you were uh, getting a jacket or not getting a jacket, she's like, put on a jacket and, and I'll be putting on a prayer for you. Uh, I'll tell you, if you have that kind of mom, I bet you some of the nights she was outside your door when you were sleeping. She was probably on her knees outside your door praying for you at the door. That's the kind of praying mom that some of us have and have been blessed by that and are encouraged to be that kind of thing. So we see it in moms, this prayerful thing, so powerful, important. So I ought to emulate that as a, as a believer, as a, as a follower of Christ. And so that's the characteristic we see in Hannah as a biological mom praying over her kid. And that's one that I want to copy, learn from this amazing woman, Hannah, and amazing people who are doing that in our lives. So the, the motherly trait we see is prayerfulness. So the next person, I, uh, type of mom I want to highlight is one who's not even biologically related. Rather, this is just like a mom figure. Like a, maybe like a, some, some of you might have had foster moms in your lives or, or someone who wasn't ultimately your permanent mom or that kind of, just a mom figure. Now check this out in, in Romans. I had never noticed this until preparing for this sermon. Check this in Romans 16, 13. 
Paul is like writing a greeting at the end of his letter. And he says, I want you to say hi to these different people. And he has a list of people he's talking to. And he says, I want you to greet Rufus. He's chosen in the Lord. And I want you to greet his mother, who has been a mother to me too. I've never seen this in the Bible. I read the Bible a lot, you guys. I read the Bible. Like, that's my profession. And I was, as I was preparing for this, and I was searching for different types of mom, I come upon this one. And I was like, what? How did I never see this verse? Here's Paul saying, hey, hey, uh, tell our friend Rufus, tell him hi for me, tell him bless him in the Lord, but can you also tell his mom, because she was like a mom to me. How many of us have had something like that, a mom to us? She's not really your mom, but she was, she was like a mom to you. She was she was caring for you and washing out for you. You know what's really super interesting about this? Go, go back to Rufus really fast. Pull that verse back up. Hold him there for a second. So get his name Rufus in mind. Now, I want you to possibility think. This is something really interesting. When Jesus is getting crucified, you guys will know Simon of Cyrene. You might have heard of this guy, right? Simon of Cyrene. He's the guy that uh, the Romans forced to carry Jesus' cross, right? So Jesus is too weak to carry the cross. Simon of Cyrene... They, they grab him, they say, you carry the cross, Simon. Now look at this verse in, in Mark. A certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander, where's that? Pull that one up. Do we not have that one? All right. A certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander, and the father of Rufus, was passing by on his way from the country, and they forced him to carry the cross. So, so this is a really interesting possibility. Now, now, the Bible doesn't make this exact connection, but here's a guy at the right time, right place. Simon Simon carries the cross, and he's got a kid named Rufus. Now, later on, we see another person named Rufus show up who's a believer. Now, there's not that many believers in the world yet by the time Paul's writing, like 10, 15,000 total in the same area, at the same place, with the same name, at the same age, and I sort of possibility think, so this isn't, the Bible doesn't say it directly like this, but, but I, I wonder if that Rufus is not this same Rufus. His dad came home, and his dad's life was altered. He carried the cross of this Jesus. He saw him get crucified. He comes home, and he tells his wife, and he tells his kids about it, and they become believers. And isn't that crazy with this like, kind of cool coincidence of love and, and oversection, uh, overlapping of believers that that mom we just mentioned, Rufus's mom, might have been the wife of Simon of Cyrene. Isn't that crazy? That, 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 that God had provided. And so then you think about it. So here's Paul who's blessed by this lady. He says, like, say hi to her because she's been like a mom to me. And we, we think that Paul might have learned about Jesus' last moments from this lady who learned it from her husband because he was there carrying the cross for Jesus. Now, that's some crazy possibility thinking. And I don't think it's a far-fetched talk. Now, I'm not saying it's for sure that way. We may get to heaven and there's two Rufuses and we're like, oh, yeah, but it would have been cool though, wouldn't it? It might be, right? We don't know for sure. But, but I think that's a cool possibility thought. Either way, so that, that's just an add-on bonus cool thing. Either way, what is really cool is that Paul said, there was this lady who was caring for me. She was like my mom. She's not really my mom, but she was like my mom, and she cared for me. So we see Paul being thankful for, for her care for him like a mom, and so that's the, the attribute that I want to sort of look at. Without knowing it, like who he would become, this lady, like, so when she was ministering to Paul, when she was caring for him, he wasn't Paul like we know it, right? 
Paul now is like super famous, probably the most famous Christian uh, outside of Christ, right? Outside of Jesus, Paul's maybe the most famous Christian. And at that time, he wasn't, though. And here's this lady pouring into this guy. He was just like, he was just like Saul at that point, right? No one even probably called him Paul. They just call him his regular Saul name. And, and she's pouring into him, pouring into him, doesn't realize he's going to become the giant of the faith that he is. And she had an important impact in his life in caring for him. And so that's so cool that we have those kind of people in our lives who are mom figures to us, who, who care for us like a mother does. And so in Rufus's mom, we see the motherly trait of, of mothering. <laughs> of, and that's a code word for like caring, just caring and taking care of. Now, there's a, there's a mother-in-law, and everyone who's married gets a mother-in-law in life. Uh, here's a cool one named Ruth in the book of, uh, I mean, uh, named Naomi in the book of Ruth. Uh, Ruth 1, when Naomi, so uh, Ruth, uh, Naomi's kids get married, uh, her sons get married, and then both the boys die. And so she's headed back home because her boys are dead, and she has two daughter-in-laws. When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of the people, now there's food for them, she and her daughter-in-laws, they prepare to go home from where they were living in Moab. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she'd been living, and she set out on the road to take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi says to her daughters-in-law, go back, each of you, like, go to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you've shown kindness to your dead husbands uh, uh, and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you uh, will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they wept aloud, and they said to her, no, no, we'll go back with you, and, and, we'll, and we'll be your people. And Naomi said, no, 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 no. This is Naomi's the mom. She says, return back, my daughters. Why would you come with me? I'm going, am I going to have more sons like who could become your husbands? Like, return home, my daughters. I'm too old to have another husband. And even if I thought there was still hope, even if I had another husband tonight, like, and he gave birth to sons, like, would you wait until they grew up to marry them? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters, it is, it is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand is turned against me. And, and she asked her daughter-in-law to go back. Now, ultimately, Ruth stays with her and the other, one of the other daughter-in-laws returns. But Naomi clearly loves her daughters-in-law. It would be better for her, Naomi, if the daughters come with her. It would be better if they help support her as she's getting a little bit older. It would be better if they return to her land and where she's comfortable and take care of her. But Naomi says, no, you know what? I want you to go back and, and live with your father until you can find another husband. I want you to do what's best for you, even if it's an inconvenience to me. And so this, this kind of motherliness that, that, that she displays to them, she's willing to sacrifice her own comfort for the daughter's law sacrificed her own willing, uh, uh, well-being for the daughters-in-law, then this is an incredibly God-honoring attribute. I mean, it's one that we should all be doing, right? Sacrificing ourselves for others, not putting ourselves first, but putting other people first. And we see this in this mother-in-law, and it's an incredible motherly characteristic of putting the comfort of, of uh, your, your daughters and your sons ahead of your own comfort. And we see that in Naomi. What an amazing truth about moms that their willingness to sacrifice for their kids, and what a godly Christ-like characteristic. So in Naomi, we see that motherly trait of being sacrificial. In life, there are surrogate moms. And when I think of like a surrogate mom, I think of literally Jesus and Mary. 
In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. Virgin means she didn't have sex with anybody. Don't be afraid, Mary. Ooh, yeah, totally. The angel told her, For you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and, and you will name him Jesus. And he will be very great, and he'll be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of the ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. The kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how could this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel said, the Holy Spirit's going to come on you. The power of the Most High is going to overshadow you, and the baby will be born, will be holy, and he'll be, he'll be called the Son of God. And she responds by saying, okay, if that's what God wants, that's what I'll do. She says, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. So one thing that strikes me about this passage is that, that first of all, Mary found favor in God's eyes. God was looking around the, the world, and he's like, you know what, that girl? That girl's got something. That girl's got something amazing. That woman right there, she's going to become the most important person on the planet other than Jesus. Like Paul was kind of cool, but without Mary, there's no Jesus, right? Paul can't have, have a Jesus. <laughs> he can't. He, don't, he can't carry a Jesus. There's no Jesus ability to provide, <laughs> to make a Jesus through Paul. And so as he's looking around, he's like, I need someone, and it has to be a woman, and I need someone, and it has to be a mother, and I'm picking her. Man, that tells you something about who Mary was, right? She's, she's an amazing person, even though the Bible doesn't say a ton about her. She gets this greatest task of human history. And then she honors God and she trusts him, even though the circumstance seems ridiculous. Like she's like, uh, I took bio, you know, we had that sex ed in, in fifth grade, God. I took that one and I realized that uh, I can't have a baby. It's not possible. And God says, oh, it's possible, trust me. And she's like, well, I don't want to tell you your business, but it's not possible. <laughs> no, and then she goes, it's possible. And so God comes and he literally supernaturally places Jesus inside of this person. That sounds a lot like surrogacy to me. You know, I don't know about surrogate mom, but Jesus place, uh, God places Jesus inside of Mary. And, and I love that Mary says, it, it maybe won't make any sense. I'm not going to understand the circumstances, but I'm going to trust you. God, may your will be done as you're just saying it is. And so in Mary, we see this motherly trait of faith, trusting God no matter the seemingly impossibility of a situation. And we see that in our mothers all the time, right? They look at you. You know, my mom's like, I believe in you. Are you sure you were looking at me? You know, like, are you looking at the right person? I've seen moms hold on to kids and they're, they're on drugs, they're in jail, and they're like, they're a good person. Mm. Mm, I'm not so sure, Mom. You know, like they're in jail and they're a drug addict. But see, he's a lovely boy. God, see, moms believe the impossible. Moms believe when all circumstances seem to indicate otherwise. And that's a beautiful quality to trust God even when it doesn't make sense, even when it seems impossible. That's a quality worth emulating. And that's the character trait we see even in Mary. And in the Bible, we have several of these kind of moms, adoptive moms. In Exodus 2, uh, we see Moses, a pretty famous guy in the Bible. He was adopted. Now, now a man from the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman, and, and she became pregnant, and she gave birth to a son. And when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months, because at this time, uh, the Pharaoh was going through and killing babies. <laughs> and so his biological mom hides him. But when she could hide him no longer, she gets this papyrus basket for him, and she coated it with tar and pitch, and she places it 
like among the reeds in the bank. So if you've seen the movie, he goes like, like full on ocean flying. That's not, she didn't throw her baby into the ocean. In a, she put him like right by the reeds where she knew this lady would come and do washing or bathe and that someone would find him. And so she, there she is. And then the sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. The Pharaoh's daughter went down to the mild Nile to bathe. And her attendants were walking along the riverbank, and she sees this basket in the reeds, and she sent the female slave to get it, and she opened it up, and she saw the baby. He's crying, and she felt sorry for him. And she's like, this is one of those the, the Hebrew babies, she says. Then she asked the sister of the Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? And uh, he says, yeah, go, she said. So the girl went and got the baby's mother, coincidentally, right? God provided all things. Pharaoh's daughter says to her, take this baby and nurse him for me, and I'll pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to the Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son, and she named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. Now that is a complicated family, right? The, the mom gave up the baby, and the, the, the lady who was going to adopt the mom, uh, adopt the baby, gave it back to the lady who was supposed to not be the mom because she's not allowed legally to be that mom. This baby was going to be killed because it was a Hebrew baby. The Pharaoh was killing all the Hebrew babies, but somehow the Pharaoh's daughter said, no, I'm going to keep this one Hebrew baby. Well, that's an awful lot of things going on. That is an awfully complicated family, and sometimes adoptive families are a little complicated. Sometimes there's, there's birth mom that may or may not be in the picture. She was not in the picture, then she was in the picture, and then a little bit later, maybe she's not in the picture, and when Moses gets older, guess what? She's back in the picture. And families are complicated, and, and that's, that's not bad. There's, there's a beauty in the complication. There's a beauty in this woman. I don't know if she had to step out on a limb because she's about to pick up this baby that's a Hebrew baby, and be, Hebrew babies are supposed to be getting killed, and she's the Pharaoh's daughter. What kind of pressure is she going to have that she just saved a kid that's already in condemn, condemnation from her dad? <laughs> What's that conversation at that house look like, Right? That I told you kill all those babies. I'm adopting this one. What are you talking about adopting it? I just said there's a <laughs> craziness, right? So God uses this adoptive mom to powerfully shape and care for this child. Do you see what she she did right away? What we see one of the key elements of motherly love right away. What does she do? She says, feed that kid. Feed that kid. Somebody find food for that kid. Get that kid out of the water. Provide for that kid. That's what she does immediately. Provides for this kid. Feed the kid. And now maybe that's what your life feels like if you're a mom. Feed the kid. Drive around. Pay money. Go to sleep. Get up. Feed the kid. Drive around. Pay money. Go to sleep. Feed the kid. And occasionally you bathe them. Right? So once in a while they get a bath. <laughs> and so sometimes it seems like that's all that motherhood is, is, is these kind of provisions. But that is a beautiful provision that comes it is a God-like provision. You know what God provides each day for you? Air and water and food. And then tomorrow you wake up, you pooped it all out. You got to breathe again. You got to eat again. And that's exactly how God works. Over day after day, he provides again for you. And that's a beautiful characteristic that mothers give. Day after day, they provide, they care, and they, and they give basic provisions. The ability to day in and day out provide for the needs of others, in this case kids, is incredibly Christ-like. And it's a, it's a value we see in moms. We want to honor it, and then we want to emulate it. So in the Pharaoh's daughter, we see this motherly trait of constant provision. Uh, stepmoms. Anyone got some stepmoms? I got a stepmom. Well, everywhere in the Bible that you have a man with more than one wife, 
you've got stepmoms. So Solomon's kid had a thousand stepmoms. So I don't know, sometimes that relationship is contentious, right? He had a thousand stepmoms, or 700 stepmoms and 300 nebulous because they were concubine, right? So they still probably told him what to do, the kids, right? <laughs> so there was a lot of, of stepmomming going on in Solomon's life, or Solomon's kid's life anyway. But, but here's one, a uh, famous kid named Benjamin. So in Genesis 35, it says uh, they're moving around from, from this area of Bethel. While they were some distance from Ephrathah, Rachel, she's pretty famous, she began to, she's uh, um, Jacob's wife. Uh, Rachel began to give birth and uh, had great difficulty while she was doing so. And as she was having great difficulty in childbirth, the midwife said to her, don't despair, you have another son. But as she breathes her last, for she was dying, she named him Ben-Anoi, but his father named him Ben-Chamin, Benjamin. And so there's this, one of the tribes of Israel is named after this guy, Benjamin. He's going to grow up and be a, a powerful follower of God. And his mom dies at childbirth, and, and his stepmoms take care of him. They're the ones that raise him, Leah, Bilhah, and Zilpah. See, Jacob has, has three other wives, and so they're the ones that, that raise him up. At this time, Jacob wasn't the one changing his diapers, not at this time, not at this day. Jacob wasn't the one that feeding them. Jacob wasn't the one taking care of them, teaching them stuff. Now, occasionally he'd stop in. Dads would stop in and do their thing with the kid. But, and, and Jacob did love Benjamin. But these stepmoms are the ones that are raising him. Many of the most influential people in the Bible had the blessing of a stepmom. The powerful influence of stepmoms is undeniable in the life of, of people who have them and people in the Bible. God uses stepmoms to influence who we become, how we see the world, and how we navigate. See, moms in our lives, they're our first biggest influencer, right? doesn't matter what kind of mom, they are influencers, and they're the biggest ones, they're the biggest impact on our lives, are our moms. In whatever form God brings them about to us. In Leah, Bilhah, and Zilpah, we see the motherly trait of influence and how powerful that is. And so moms out there, you have more influence than you can even imagine over your own kids, but you know what? Over other people's kids, too. You have incredible influence, and, and God wants to harness that for his good. Keep it up. And so we honor you for the influence that you have, and we also want to exemplify that in our own lives. And the last one I want to highlight is uh, the entire human race has a mom named Eve. <laughs> Genesis uh, 3.20, Adam, Adam named his wife Eve, because she would become the mother of all of the living. So every one of us receives the blessing of life from a mom. Like Eve was the mother of all living, so we all owe our lives to this one woman, Eve. Now, so if, if, if uh, God uh, following was a pyramid scheme, you know, Eve would be on the top, right? Because everybody came from Eve. And so in, in terms of like a life giving, Eve's the number one. But you know what's something really cool about motherhood um, that men never get to experience is that motherhood really is the giving of life. I'm not sure there's a more godlike characteristic. See, God is the only one that can author life in a big perspective. But, but do you know who he allows to do that here on earth? Not men. They screw it up, right? He allows women to author life. And that's a, that's a privilege and honor that I'll, I'll never get to experience. And, and uh, sometimes maybe... It feels like, oh, that, that seems like a negative. 
But I'm not sure there's a more positive, godlike feature than the ability to give life, to grow life, to provide life. And, and I think it's biologically true, but I, I think there's also a sense that spiritually God makes women different this way so that they can provide life to people in a way that, that I can't necessarily. And so when we think about Eve, uh, ultimate life giver, we want to honor and, and thank and, and bless the life givers in our own lives, our mothers. And so we've seen many type of wives. We've seen several amazing traits to copy, to try to emulate, to live up to, because we've been blessed by all sorts of mothers in our lives. So I want you to just think a second. What do, you, what do you love about your mom? Just think about it just for a moment. Take just a second. What do you love about your mom? And, I, and when I'm saying mom, I'm, I'm saying them all, right? I got, I got Eve to like <laughs> surrogate. Like what do you love about whomever you consider as a mom in your life? What do you love about that person? Take a second as you're thinking about that, and I want you to just turn to whoever's near you and say just the one thing you love about your mom. What's the one thing that you love about? Talk in church. Ready, set, Go. All right, everyone turn to someone. That's all right. If you're at home, did you turn to somebody? If you're, if you're alone, type it in the, uh, in the comments bar right there. Okay, so now normally in church, we encourage you not to text in church, right? Uh, that's kind of like a thing that you'd be really rude to text. But today I'm going to actually tell you to text in church. Okay, so we're all going to text in church. And what I want you to do right now is uh, get your mom on the text there, uh, whoever you consider that to be, and I'll help you get started. It, uh, mine's going to go, happy Mother's Day, thanks mom for dot, 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 okay? I promise before the Lord you got to do this. Unless your mom, there may be a mom that doesn't have a text, that's okay. Now, some of your moms might have passed away, and that's a reality in our lives. And so if your mom has passed away or, or maybe you don't have a phone, then feel free to just lift up a, a quiet personal prayer of thanks for your mom if she's passed away. But if you have any living mother figure Let's go ahead and text them. And while we do, I'm going to play a video. It's a two-minute video, so you have two minutes to go about this text. Okay? Ready, set, uh, go. Well, it's finally happened. You've moved out. You're on your own. Congratulations. But everyone still needs a little help sometimes. Mom, have you seen my wallet? It's in your back pocket. No, I checked there. Your other back pocket, dear. Ah. Thanks, Mom. Introducing the Mom Personal Assistant, the only smart speaker device with all the wisdom, caring, and sage advice of a mother. Mom, please call Brad. Honey, I'm just not sure he's right for you. Just call him. Okay, calling Ryan. No, Mom, I said call Brad. Trust me. The Mom PA always has your best interests in mind. Wish me luck, Mom. Big interview today. Did you eat breakfast? Uh... Is that what you're wearing? Wait, what? <laughs> Did you even shower? She's there to provide a helping hand whenever you need it. Mom, set a timer for 40 minutes. Mom? The mom personal assistant won't function until you say the magic word. Oh, right. Mom, please set a timer for 40 minutes. Sure thing, hon, but it's only 30 minutes for that dish. The mom PA is always correct and basically knows everything. Mom, what setting should I use for this laundry? Mom, do you think I should color my hair? Hey, Mom, can you please order mac and cheese? You still have two boxes. What? No, we're out. Did you look? Yeah, I just looked. It's gone. 
Do you want me to look? Uh, no, no, it's okay. I'll go look again. Try looking with your eyes this time. Based on God's perfect design, the mom personal assistant is thoughtful, kind, encouraging, and supportive. You are beautiful. It's okay. You're gonna get through this. I am so proud of you. You can change the world. But right now, hon, you really need to change your socks because they smell like a dumpster. Ugh, mom. The mom personal assistant. Always helpful, always reliable, and always there for you. All right. Fantastic. I hope you were able to text your mom. I, I got Well, it's finally happened. Right. Oh, now I'm getting texted back. Hold on. Okay, mom. Thank you, son. Smiles, texting me in church. You know, I think I'm in trouble because my mom knows I'm texting in church. <laughs> so thank you, moms, uh, everywhere for all that you do, uh, for who you are. Um, even if no one notices or you don't get accolades for all the things that you do, I want to, I, I want to thank you, and I want to take a, a time as a representative of a lot of folks, just to tell you how much we appreciate you, uh, how much we we honor you, and I know I don't say it enough to my own mom and. And I'm sure your kids don't say it enough to you. Um, but we, we really do appreciate all that you're doing and who you are. And so I'm going to close us in worship. Uh, to, uh, I'm going to pray for some moms, and I'm going to ask you to pray for some moms. So the praise is going to come up real fast. And, um, so I'd like you to pray for your moms individually, because I, I don't know their names. And so uh, would you go ahead and do that uh, as I'm going to pray for all of our moms? We're going to do that kind of two prayer things, and then we're going to have a worship song together. So, Jesus, we just want to come, and we want to pray over our moms. We want to, want to thank you for them. God, uh, I want to ask for your blessing on them. Even when we say that we love them, what I, I really want my mom to hear that you love her, because your love is way better than mine. And so, God, I want to pray over my own personal mom. I want to thank you for her. I want to, I want to honor you because of her. Uh, I know that Life has not always been perfect, but God, thank you for providing her in my life. And thank you for my stepmom, God. Thank you for several mother figures in my life who I love dearly and deeply. So as the music's playing, would you just take a minute to just uh, thank God for your mom and the mothers in your life, and then we'll worship. <laughs>